Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this 200th episode of Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm your host, Albert Hardy. I want to cover today for you the fall of Babylon recorded in chapter 18 of the book of Revelation and correlate it with the book of Daniel and other locations. So here we go. Chapter 18, Revelation, verse 1. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit and a hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. May I just interject right here that you study into the lives of those who rule in Saudi Arabia and look at the extravagant lifestyle they live. Besides having their own wives, they also have concubines, which number in the hundreds, some of them and they parade around in Mercedes-Benzes that are studded not only with gold, but also diamonds all over them. I have seen the pictures of them myself. And you can research this to make sure I'm not lying or telling a fib or anything. Verse 4, Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished along with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Now, in my opinion, this is good reason for Iran, the Shiite branch of Islam, to hate the Saudi Arabians worse than they hate Israel, if you can believe that. Verse 6, do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. For she brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne, and I am no helpless widow. I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire. For the Lord God who judges her is mighty. That's a quote from the angel. He said all of those things. Then it continues in verse 9. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. Medina, Riyadh, Mecca, and all the places along the coast where there's oil, if you ask me. That's what the smoke is about. 
How terrible and how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment has come upon you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for she has no one left to buy her goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thion wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood, and bronze and iron and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and bodies of humans, human slaves. Verse 14, the fancy things you love so much are gone, they cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. A sad ending to a once proud and mighty nation. Verse 15, the merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in the finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment, all the wealth of that city is gone. How could that happen? We've got Medina. We've got Mecca. We've got Riyadh. We've got all the big cities of Saudi Arabia. Now, disaster areas. Gone up in smoke. All that wealth and luxury gone in a moment. Now, how could it go up in a moment? Obviously, by world War Three bombs dropping in these areas, probably not just nuclear, but hydrogen weapons, which have a killing radius of about 350 miles, the distance from Miami to Georgia. And that's just one bomb. There'll probably be hundreds of them lobbed up all over the place over there. The Middle East. Keep your eyes on the Middle East, and you will see what will happen to the whole wide world. And all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, Where is there another city like this great city? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads, as they do in the Middle East, to show their grief. And they will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. The ship owners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. In a single moment, it is all gone. Rejoice over her fate, O heaven and people of God and apostles and prophets. For at last God has judged her for your sakes. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone and threw it into the ocean and shouted, Just like this, that great city, Babylon, will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. 
The sound of singers and harps and flutes and trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen, no trades will ever be found in you again. What does that mean? That means the stop of all trade and commerce. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. And that's the end of chapter 18. Let's continue in chapter 19. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his saints. And again the voices rang out, Praise the Lord! The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the twenty-four elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God, who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen, or so be it. Praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. And you know, that reminds me of a scripture that says, Everyone on earth shall know him from the least to the greatest. Can you imagine that? There will be no other form of worship when Jesus Christ returns and takes the reign of government. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. Verse 6, chapter 19, Revelation. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean, mighty ocean waves or a crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb, And he added, These are the true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. You see, if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't believe he's God, if we don't believe he rose from the dead, and that he could possibly pay the penalty for our sins in our place, we don't have a Savior. The Jews do not have a Savior. To them, 
But they're still waiting to see their Savior. They've never had one before. They deny Christ. That's dangerous business, folks. That is deadly dangerous. The only Savior we have is Jesus Christ. His Father God is the only one who could send him. Jesus volunteered to go and pay that penalty in our places. And he rose from the dead after three days and three nights. It wasn't, by the way, from Friday sunset to Sunday morning. That's a day and a half, not three days and three nights. Think about that. It actually happened in the midst of the week to fulfill prophecy. That would put it at Wednesday. Wednesday until Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, and Saturday afternoon. That's when he rose from the dead not Easter Sunday morning. We have got this all messed up. We're celebrating a pagan holiday called Easter. It has nothing to do with Jesus, and yet we appropriate it by using that name. Resurrection Day wasn't even commanded as a holy day. Verse 10, chapter 19, Revelation, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship God only. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. I'm going to read that again. That's worth reading again. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. You see, he's equating Jesus with worship, worshiping Jesus Christ as our God. Verse 11, Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. You know, why would there be many crowns on his head? Well, it's because he rules all nations, every nation on earth. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. And by the way, it wasn't his own blood. It's the blood of his enemies. And his title was the Word of God. John says in John 1.1 that he was the Word of God and that he was God directly. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And he couldn't do that if he wasn't God. Like juice flowing from a winepress on his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet of God, 
that he has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings and generals and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. The beast was taken captive, captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived everyone who accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Now, to me, the statue is the, the black stone, the Kaaba stone, in Mecca. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. You don't want to go there, folks, because that's the end of you if that happens. It's death, the second death, as we will soon see. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. That would be Jesus. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Chapter 20, book of Revelation. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. And he seized the dragon, that old serpent who is called the devil and Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations any more until the thousand years were finished. After that, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the lives of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. In parentheses, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. So it's only those righteous ones who get resurrected first. That's where we want to be as Christians. Verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. And he will go out to deceive the nations, called Gog and Magog, in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army, as numberless as the sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city, that would be Jerusalem. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire, burning with sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. 
There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now let's just stop right there for a second. Does this mean that the beast, the false prophet, and Satan will all be tormented day and night forever in hell? Now most people, most Christians would say, absolutely, that's where they're going to be. Well, wait just a minute. If the beast is Islam, which I truly believe it is because it was resurrected from the dead and came back to life again to the wonder of many, including myself, because the Catholic Church had tried to stamp it out. And the false prophet, if the false prophet is merely religion, which I think it is, It is not a human being, and neither is the beast. It is an ideology. It is a way of belief. It is a belief system. So how could they be affected by fire? They can't. No, it's just that the beast itself is going to go away, and it will no longer exist, and neither will false prophets. In other words, all world religion is going to be history on that day and from then on and forever. Thank God. So what does it mean? What about the devil who deceived them, who was thrown there too? He is going to die. If you read Ezekiel 28, it tells all about it. And very detailed and graphic. And I saw, verse 11, a white throne and the one sitting on it. But before we go on, Let me just say, it's the shame that lasts forever. The everlasting contempt, the ridicule, and the infamy, that's what will go on forever. It's their reputation. It's not that they're living people at all. The devil himself will die the death. You want some proof of that? Starting in verse 1, chapter 12 of Daniel, At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, that would be Israel, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting disgrace. You see that? That's exactly what we're talking about. It's not that their bodies are going to live forever in the flames of hell. Not at all. No, they will become ashes, if they wind up in hell, they will be burnt to death in an instant. It won't take but 60 seconds to kill a person and just evaporate him into nothing. Shame and everlasting disgrace because they didn't believe. That's the ultimate sin. It's like telling God, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. Shame on anybody who would do that. Verse 3, chapter 12, Daniel. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. Didn't we just see that in Revelation? 
And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. And I hope you're doing that, by the way. And I'm trying to, too. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. But as for you, Daniel, go your way until the time of the end. Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Now let's turn back to chapter 7 of Daniel for a few minutes. I watched as thrones were put in place, and the Ancient One sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, and his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels blazing, sounds like the book of Ezekiel, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him, many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were opened, dropping down to verse 13. And I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one who was led and was led into his presence. He was given authority and honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Dropping down to verse 26, but then the court will pass judgment and all his power will be taken away. And this is talking about someone else. This is not talking about Jesus right here. The sovereignty of the power, the greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will last forever and all rulers will serve and obey him. Verse 18 says, But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom, and they will rule forever and ever. In verse 24, He will become very strong, and this is talking about a fierce king, master of intrigue, and so on. He will destroy powerful leaders and devastate the holy people. He will be a master of deception and will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning, and he will even take on the prince of princes in battle, but he will be broken, though not by human power. Jesus is going to defeat and destroy all of his enemies. Going to verse 3 in chapter 21 of Revelation, we read these words, I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Now that sounds pretty good to me. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I hope you take encouragement from this. And though things get really, really ugly and really, really bad in World War III, 
Christ is coming to fix it all and to take charge of everyone left alive. And I hope that includes you. So you can go to the website, itellwhy.com, and you can read my books there. You can learn more. There's nothing for sale. Don't want your money. Don't want your email. Don't have any ads. None of that. It's all to build your faith in Jesus Christ himself. So until next time, I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope you enjoyed it.